Test cricket returns to the Wacker. We cross to Australia captain Elisa Healy. Should Glenn Maxwell have played more Test cricket across his career? And where does he rank amongst the white ball greats? We crunch the numbers. Plus, Davy Warner goes out with a bang on Aussie soil. But the future of Australian cricket is looking bright as they claim yet another ICC crown. Let's go around the wicket. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Around the Wicked. I'm Narrowly Meadows, Callum Ferguson alongside me, Michael Clark, to join us as always and a special guest, Elisa Healy, the Aussie skipper, will be joining us shortly. But first, Davey Warner finished up his international career in Australia with a loss, but a bang. How did you see it? She just keeps going, keeps charging, doesn't he? The ball, he's, he's on, the, on fire. And, and what I love about Davey Warner is uh, he's just keeping himself in fantastic shape. He's doing all the work off the field, making sure his game's, you know, finely tuned, ready to go because there's a World Cup coming up. So he's not taking the foot off the pedal at all. The ball's charging and it's a big World Cup coming up. So for him to walk away from Australian home soil cricket as player of the series against the West Indies in the fashion that he did with that 81 off 49 could not be more impressive, but also shows that he's the man to lead us into at the top of the order this next World Cup. So the men's summer comes to an end here in Australia, but the women's continues. A huge test at the Wacker starting tomorrow, and it is such a pleasure on Around the Wicket to welcome in Aussie captain Elisa Healy to the show for the very first time. Elisa, thank you so much for joining us on the eve of the test, and what an important test it is. The first time in two years you get to play a test on Aussie soil. What does it mean to the girls? Yeah, firstly, thanks for having me. And, yeah, it is a huge opportunity for, for us to play Test Cricket at home again. It's been a little while. I'm actually sitting here um, overlooking the wacker, staring at the wicket at the moment. Uh, it looks an absolute belter. So um, one we're really excited for. And, obviously, we've never played South Africa in a Test match as well. So a um, couple of little milestones along the way. But, um, yeah, to be able to play Test Cricket at home for us is um, unique. So we're looking forward to it. And what a great ground to play at, Midge, too. There must be a real fire in the belly of the team. Obviously, the loss to India in December, that would have been a tough one to take, but obviously a great opportunity now in a test match to get on the winning side of things. Um, yeah, I mean, as an Australian team going over to India, you're not expecting to win too many test matches, are you? So for us to, to play a one-off test match, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really... Right. Too much of a kick in the guts, to be completely honest with you. It felt like a little bit of a novelty. And, yes, we want to win and, and yes, we want to compete. But I thought we got better and better throughout that test match. So if they had thrown one more at us, I reckon, um, you know, there might have been a different result. But, yeah, look, we're, it's been well publicised throughout the summer. You know, we've lost a couple of games and got a new feel around the group, a lot of change over the last 18 months. So for us, it's just a great opportunity to get together out there in a, in a test match and show everyone just how good we are. I love that fire. Yes. I can hear it in your voice, Elisa. You mentioned it there, but do you feel like the world is catching up and is that a really good thing for cricket in general? Um, yeah, I hate the, the old good for cricket comment. I mean, it, it does uh, frustrate me a little bit, but I actually <laughs> I read something the other day that, um, you know, someone mentioned that we were coming back to the pack and I think um, not necessarily true. I think that's really disrespectful for a lot of teams around around the globe. I actually think, the professionalism of, of our game has continued to grow right around the world. And I think teams are catching up and that's 
basically because they're being invested in and they're getting the opportunity to play more cricket around the world and play in these amazing series. So, yes, I think it's great for our sport. Do I want to stay ahead? Most certainly. And do I want to continue to win World Cups and, and major <laughs> tournaments? Yes. So uh, we'll just got to keep finding a way to evolve and, and keep taking our game to the next level so that we can stay ahead. You were talking about professionalism there, Midge, and, and what does require a lot of professionalism is recovering from an ACL and making it back to the elite level. And Sophie Molyneux has shown every bit of that professionalism required. Great to see her back in the mix and a chance to play in the test match tomorrow. Talk a little bit about her re-entry into the side and some of the emotional side that no doubt would have come with that. Oh, I mean, she's a she's a great story to have back in and around our group. Uh, even at training yesterday, she was like first day at school for her. She was out there first kicking the footy and warming up and making sure <laughs> that she did everything right uh, to ensure that she was ready to go. So it's great to see her back around. Obviously, um, you know, it's been a tough road for her and probably a tough road for a lot of the Victorians as well. There's a few of them that have spent a lot of time on the sidelines rehabbing together. So you know, the fact that her and Georgia Wareham in around this squad and hopefully Taylor's back around our group in the near future as well, the three of them together um, after spending a lot of time on the on the sideline is is really cool. But so it's in, in a great spot at the moment. She's well in the mix for for the test match tomorrow, let me tell you. And um, it's it's made it really challenging for us to pick an 11 out of the 14 great players that we've got to choose from. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see how, how it all plays out. But um, like I said, it's great to see her around the group and I think her commitment to, to her training and her recovery and her rehab, I think, has been top level and, and she's well-deserved to, to come back around this group. Keeping us on the edge of our seats there with yes. the playing 11. I love it. Uh, Beth Mooney, though, can we just talk about how extraordinary she is? The series that she's put together up against South Africa so far in the ODIs and the T20 internationals loves a chase. Even when she's sick and on one leg, she manages to, to absolutely belt it. How important is it having somebody like her around the group? Yeah, I think hugely important. I mean, you know, for the last probably five or six years, we've relied really heavily on, you know, some really solid players like Meg and, and Pez and, and obviously Rachel Haynes as well. But we've always had Moons there as well, who's, you know, been able to dig in and, and score runs when we need to and also, um, you know, just play some some amazing knocks for us. And, and like you mentioned, there's always something going on. She's always crook or she's injured or, or there's something happening, but I think that brings <laughs> out the best in her and, and makes her dig even deeper and, and score some crucial runs. So she's a, an outstanding player to have in our side. Um, the fact that she's a wicketkeeper but can still be one of the best fielders in the world, I think, is a huge asset as well. So, um, yeah, we're very lucky to have her in our group. And Midge as well. Elise Perry probably hasn't been at her best against South Africa, but certainly over the last 18 months she's taken her game to another level and she's bowling well again. Can you run us through how keen she is at the moment? She must be chomping at the bit for this test match. Yeah, she is. I mean, she was working really hard in her bowling in the nets yesterday. I can confirm that. And, um, you know, Pez is Pez. I think you can't really write her off at, at any point in time. You know that there's a big knock around the corner or a big bag full of wickets. Um, you know she's doing the work behind the scenes to, to make sure that she performs for Australia. So, um, like I said, just as much as Moon, she's a really crucial, you know, piece in our puzzle. And the fact that she's still got the ability to, to bat in that top water and, and still bowl some crucial overs is, is really handy for our group. So no doubt she's going to play a big role in this test match. She absolutely loves test cricket. I think she averages something ridiculous. So hopefully she can um, go out there and, and make some crucial runs for us.
And Elisa, this is just your ninth test, despite making your debut way back in 2011. That just feels criminal to me. Surely we need more test cricket. What do you think? I'm, I'm surprised I've played that many. Uh, I, thought, I thought I was up to maybe five or six, but um, <laughs> surely, surely by nine you're supposed to know what you're doing. But I sit here and I'm still like, oh, what sort of, how many slips should we supposed to be having in place tomorrow? But, um, yeah, it's, um, look, uh, I mean, we can we can call for for more test cricket all we like and um but i think until it it has greater context within our game then it's going to be really hard to achieve i think this multi format series um gives it context and gives it an opportunity to to be a part of something bigger but on the flip side of that we don't play any long form cricket domestically so you know trying to get players ready to play test matches is quite a challenging thing in our game at the moment but i'm happily i'll happily sit here and say we want to play more because we absolutely do and um, you know, to have another opportunity to go and, and play test cricket overseas um, is something that we're all looking forward to as well. Yeah, great call. And, and Midge as well, I want to just mention on Valentine's Day, does Starkey normally come <laughs> up with the goods or does he just go quietly and let, let everyone down? um i haven't even had a happy valentine's day yet so um to be fair it hasn't been (laughs) (laughs) i feel like it's only a thing until you're married and then once you're married you forget about it so um you celebrate your anniversary instead (laughs) i would have thought but um i tell you what i have thoroughly enjoyed the the gws giants um instagram page today on the valentine's day and and throwing their players (laughs) under the bus so maybe cricket might have to do start doing something similar (laughs) I, like I love it. it. Well, we love your work, Elisa. All the best in this Wacker test. Thank you so much once again for your time. Uh, we can't wait to watch it all unfold. Don't go anywhere on Around the Wicket. We're going to be joined by Michael Clark next. I woke up this morning and I just had a funny feeling. Like it's, it, I don't get it very often. Um, Especially about middle order, you, you don't really get it often, and there's just, there's just something. I, I got a good look at their attack last game um, in Hobart. Felt like I sort of got a good read of what it, um, what they were bowling, and uh, was disappointed getting out there. Same sort of scenario: short boundary, um, square boundaries, and grounds quite similar, really. And um, another good wicket, and I felt like I missed out again. And I just thought, you know what, I can't let this opportunity slip, and I just felt like. I said when I arrived, I said, I feel like someone's getting 100 tonight. But I, when I woke up this morning, I thought I was getting one. But you still got to obviously get the time and opportunity. But, um, yeah, the time was probably perfect. He saw it coming and wasn't it stunning to watch all unfold. 120 not out of 55. Another sensational performance from Glenn Maxwell over the weekend. Not to be last night, but Michael Clark, former Australian captain, joins us now. Pup, have we almost gotten too used to seeing Maxie do what he does? Those audacious shots are something to behold. Uh, yeah, well, hey, guys. Firstly, I never had any of those feelings when I turned up to a game. Let me tell you, I felt like, geez, I'm going to get a duck, <laughs> not a hundred. Um, but that sums up Maxie as well. You know, he's, um, wow, he, he's some type of player. Uh, he's, he's 2020, well, both 2020 batting and one-day batting is phenomenal. 
uh, but particularly the shortest format. To be able to score hundreds batting at number four, to be able to hit the ball 360 degrees, to be able to take on the quicks and the spinners, to be able to hit the ball so clean at the start of your innings, you know, even the best players in the world generally need a bit of time at the crease, but Maxi's just, he's one of a kind. He's probably in the conversation around, is he our best 2020 player of all time? He offers bat, bowl, field. Um, like I say, to be able to score hundreds at number four, I don't think there's another player in the world that um, that does it like Glenn Maxwell and the way he plays. He's just as good left-handed as he is right-handed. So, yeah, he's, um, <laughs> he's, he's a genius in that format. There's no doubt about it. Well, I'm putting you on the spot then, Pup. Is he Australia's greatest ever T20 international batter and is he up there with the world's best? I think in that middle order position, he's up there with the world's best, definitely. Um, you have a look at the, the record of guys that open the batting or even number three, they're generally your 100 makers. You know, I can't think of too many people at number four um, that have scored consistent hundreds like Maxi in that format. Um, you know, he's consistently strike rates phenomenal. Like the other thing as well, people don't realise going in in the middle order in 2020 cricket, the field's out. So trying to hit a six has a lot more risk because you've got guys on the boundary. Opening the batting, you've only got two fielders out. You've got players inside the circle. So there's a lot less risk going over the top. So Maxi's risk is a lot higher trying to hit sixes. He does it so consistently. He hits so many sixes. And again, like I say, both sides of the field. So uh, look, he's, he's in the conversation. For Australia, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, who's a better T20 player that we've had? Um, certainly not at number four. Max is our best number four. There's no doubt about that. But I think just in general, around the world might be a little bit different. And, you know, someone like a Rohit Sharma is a freak at the top of the order. Virat Kohli's record's phenomenal. Um, Josh Butler for England when he's at, you know, I've, I watched him play a series in the IPL and it was it was unreal as well. So I think there's a number of players, you know, Davey Warner at the top of the order for us. But Maxi is, I think because he bats at number four and can do this, that's what sets him apart. Shout out to the Sabavoon Davisi there, who also has three international tons from the Czech Republic. We <laughs> yeah. love to see those names popping up. Before we crunch those numbers mm. that Pup has started to allude to there, you have recollections of being in the nets with Maxi, and he was told to put those shots away, stop being silly and behave yourself almost back in the day. Well, I specifically remember a conversation I had with him at the coffee table. Uh, we were both up at the academy one uh, winter in Brisbane, and... We sat down and he was talking about how much trouble he'd had with coaches on the way through. Hitting balls out of the nets, reverse sweeps, reverse slogs, all that sort of stuff that make him the great player he is now. He found it really hard coming through the junior systems um, to, to really break down those barriers. But he is a trailblazer, there's no doubt about it. You know, you speak to Aaron Finch about the way they used him in the middle order. They didn't have to worry about uh, whether they were sending a right-hander or a left-hander in to face spin because Maxi could swing both sides of the wicket. So he was literally batting as a left or a right-hander, depending on who was bowling. So, you know, you don't develop that style of, of player unless you've got open-minded coaches on the way through. And thankfully, he had enough good coaches on the way through that enabled him to break down some of those barriers. And we're, we're reaping the benefits of it now. He's been an extraordinary player for Australia. Well, let's break down some of those numbers, Ferg. So you're a big fan of average 
plus strike rate, which yeah. has been going through the vernacular of cricket circles for quite some time, but not so much in the public. Tell me why that in particular is important, average plus strike rate. Yeah, I remember a conversation with Mike Hussey probably seven, eight years ago now, and he was talking a, a bit to me over a coffee again about, you know, what sort of impact are players having, particularly in T20 cricket back then? Um, you know, what's their average and strike rate when you add them up? And generally back then, you know, maybe not quite a decade ago, you know, above 150 was seen as, as pretty solid. Um, but when you start looking at Glenn Maxwell, his impact is through the roof. Now, if you look at his T20 international record, you add those together, you get about 185. Now, that is through the roof and it's world's best in T20 cricket. So... Um, what it does show you is not just, you know, he's a, he's a guy that walks out there and hits the ball into orbit from ball one, but he's doing it pretty consistently as well as we see on the numbers here, Nez. So let's have a look here. We know that Virat Kohli is the best ever white ball batter. I think everyone across the world accepts that. His numbers of 13,000 one-day runs, 4,000 T20 internationals and 51 combined international tons in white ball cricket. But to your very point, if you add up the average and the strike rate, you look at the strike rate there of Glenn Maxwell. Astonishing with an average still above 30. You add that together, this is something that we've done that's unique. Maybe yeah. we're just talking utter rubbish, but you can see there just the impact that Glenn, Max Glenn Maxwell has on the game. Mm. When somebody like a Virat Kohli, unbelievable numbers of above 50 average yeah. and still pretty impressive strike rates, given he bats higher up and he's often the chase master. Yeah, that's he's right. in second position there. And just for people watching at home, Rohit Sharma, who Pup mentioned, rates at a 312 0.85. Cal Raul also comes in at number six. Yeah, look, this again isn't the be-all and end-all when you're looking to rate players, but what it does do, particularly I think for the guys that bat in the middle order who don't get that opportunity to bat long periods of time, you know, guys that average 25, if they're striking at 150, they're of huge value to their side. So it's not always about the average. If you can add the strike rate in there, you get a pretty good feel for the impact players are having. So, Pup, just to finish up on Glenn Maxwell, in the era of Basball, do you think he should have played more test cricket? Should the Aussie selectors have been a little braver over the years? Uh, look... I still see all three formats very different. So I agree with what Ferg's saying, but I probably agree more so for 2020 cricket. I still think one-day cricket is still... It's getting closer to 2020 cricket, but there's still a little bit of a gap there. So... Uh, and, and then test cricket's different again. Look, I think the one thing Maxi shows, and, and the other thing it's underestimated, what he does with the ball, he gets important wickets in all formats, and he's fielding. He's as good as any fieldsman in the world. So you've got to add those oh, strings yeah, to his absolutely. bow as well. That comes into contention when you're looking at certain players in all three formats. I think Maxi, I don't think Maxi's test career is over. I really don't. Australia's got a tour to Sri Lanka around the corner. I, I think it, the difference is for Maxi, he's competing for that all-round position. So at the moment, you know, Australia playing in Australia or if we go to England or if you go to South Africa, you're probably going to go for the extra batsman who bowls medium pace. And we've got two brilliant ones at the moment in Cameron Green and Mitchell Marsh. But you go somewhere like Sri Lanka, that number six position, you wouldn't mind that extra spin bowler. You know, you've got Travis Head who can bowl some part-timers, Marnus Labuschagne who bowls leg spin part-timers. But, again, Maxi, what he offers with the ball and in the field, I, I don't think his test career is done. And if you keep making runs the way he is in any format, he's got to be in the selector's mind. So, look, he's doing everything in his power in regards to scoring runs against whatever opposition in whatever format. I think that's all you can do. But in my opinion, 
I wouldn't write him off for test cricket just yet. So this time next year, there are two tests up against Sri Lanka in Sri Lankan conditions. Fergie, are you picking him for that? Yeah, I'd love to see him go. Obviously, it's run dependent. He's going to be making runs and being in good form leading in. But if he's in good yeah. form, Glenn Maxwell form, I'm taking him over there for the exact reasons Pup just mentioned then. He's a three-asset player. When he walks out in the park, he's got three strings to his bone, uh, bow. So I just, I just think he's a guy that's got so much to offer on a tour to Sri Lanka particularly with his play of spin. And adding a fourth bow of compartmentalisation. Well, that's right. I mean, he, he's, his ability to put what's happening off the field to the side and walk out there with a bit of controversy hanging over him is a little bit like the great, late, great uh, Shane Keith Warren because, you know, those, that skill is so rare and so valuable. He's been able to put a little bit of stuff off field behind him, walk out, make 120 on Adelaide Oval. It's an extraordinary skill. Pup, we mentioned the great name of Virat Kohli. How disappointing is it? And how big a blow is it for India's hopes that he's been ruled out completely of this five-test series with three tests to go against England? Yeah, I think it's disappointing for for test cricket. You know, you love seeing the best players play, but I think everyone understands it's for personal reasons. That always comes first. So, yeah, I think we all respect that uh, and wish him and his family all the best and hopefully he gets back sooner rather than later. Um uh, yeah, England should, you know, this is our opportunity. There's, there's no doubt, you know, there's still question marks over K.O. Raul. Um, I think Jadeja, there's still question marks over him as well. So any team without Virat Kohli, you'd rather face that team than him in those conditions. But in the same breath, because they're in their own backyard, the Indian player that comes in and, and fills that spot is a lot more comfortable than if they're playing in England, for example. But the series has been awesome so far. I'd imagine this test will be no different. Um, toss is important. Batting first and making runs, so important in Indian conditions. And before I let you go, Pup, in honour of Valentine's Day, I want to know what have you loved about this summer? And feel free to say coming on around the wicket, by the way. <laughs> oh, that's my favourite part, of course. You two putting up with me. Um, <laughs> happy Valentine's as well to everyone out there. Uh, oh, look, I think... Oh, I think from an Australian cricket's perspective, I think the summer's probably gone how we all expected. We did expect Australia to, to win just about every game they played. But I think one of the special things, even being an ex-Australian player, I, I think West Indies winning that last test was was something special for West Indies cricket. And I think all of us hope that West Indies get back to being successful in test cricket particularly, but all three formats. I think we want to see them, you know, spoken about like one of the best teams like they used to be. They've got so many great athletes. You know, we, we see some young superstars coming through. And I think that was probably, you know, one of the most special stories of the Australian summer. And they finished with a T20 international win, a capital off here in Australia. Pup, thanks so much for your time as always. We will see you ahead thanks, of the New Zealand series. Well, don't go anywhere on Around the Wicket because up next we are going to look to the future and the future is looking bright.
everyone. Congratulations to the Australian under-19s team as well as the Indian team who were defeated in the final familiar scenes there for Australia up against India. But that victory, Ferg, what does it mean for the future of Aussie cricket? Yeah, it means so much. I think that... You know, when we've seen in the past Australian teams succeed at that level in the juniors coming through, under-19 uh, level specifically, we've seen a lot of the players out of those teams go on and be huge contributors, not just at the domestic level, but also at the international level. Uh, Mitch Marsh led the, the charge at the last uh, under-19 win that we had. Um, and that's a fantastic, um, you know, lead up to this team now actually winning the tournament and showing signs that we've got the talent pool coming through, like Mitch Marsh had underneath him within that under-19 side, to then produce and boost the talent coming into the domestic system, which helps us, you know, hopefully find the next Australian uh, T20 one-day test player uh, because they won't all filter into the same teams, but at least it gives us confidence that, you know, the pathway system is showing some really good signs and developing some great talent. Is there one player of that Aussie bunch that you think star of the future out there? I'll tell you what, I, I watched some highlights of Callum Vidler um, from Queensland. He bowls quick, around 140. Now, he took 14 wickets at 11 for the tournament and bowled really fast, but also um, a really nice Yorker. So he's got some really, um, really valuable skills in white ball format. I'll be interested to see how he goes in the red ball going forward, uh, but also um, I think when you've got a, a young firebrand fast bowler that plays in such an aggressive manner as well, it's going to catch the attention of people and it certainly caught mine. Got nothing to do with his first name? Uh, might have had a little bit. <laughs> I'm not biased at all, am I? <laughs> Just finally, <laughs> uh, tell me who wore it better, Oliver Peak or Travis Head? Oh, Travis Head, but obviously <laughs> Oliver gave it a good nudge, didn't he? I thought it was fantastic, actually. Um, a good nod to Hetty there. Um, but it's good to show the, uh, see the players showing their personality. That's a big win for anyone um, that, that's on the way through, as we see here. I mean, look at that. Wonderful. Got the, uh, got the dodgy-looking sunnies there on as well. They're pretty average, aren't they? But, um, yeah. I, I just I love seeing young players celebrate their wins because I think that's what good teams do. They get around each other. And the camaraderie amongst that team, Anthony Stewart talked about it post the, the tournament, you know, how close they'd be, all become over the last 12 months led to great success on the field, which is fantastic to see. An Aussie tradition, dodgy sunnies bought basically oh. at the petrol station. Is that station. really what we want? <laughs> <laughs> Don't go anywhere and around the wicket. We're taking on the short stuff next. The short stuff of Ferg. Should a team miss out on a run out because they didn't appeal? No, send it straight upstairs. And once they came in before the ball was bowled, um, it should have just been sent upstairs. No-brainer. Shamar Joseph, he's signed with an IPL side. Luck now, how's he going to go? He's going to be a superstar wherever he goes now, Shamar Joseph. He's got the skills. Tick. Move on. Replacing Mark Wood. Andrew McDonald, fifth grade side for Geelong West, scored 62. The Aussie coach, if you're not following, surely you would have done better than 62. What do you think? 62, that's well unders, Ronnie. Come on, lift, mate. Seriously. <laughs> lift, Ronnie. We'll see you next time ahead of the tour to New Zealand.